Our Roots Podcast. We're only the strongest roots. See the light. Brought to you by Botanica Candles and more. This is Joseph Babaifa. Really excited about this episode of Faces of Ifan, the podcast where one of our members is taking advantage of the opportunity to be on the show to tell their story. Please join me in welcoming Jennifer Omiyoko. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you so much with the blessings of Lofing, Olorun, and Olorumare. I'd like to start the podcast off with a prayer, Baba, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. It's your birthday weekend. How could I say no? Right. What a gift. <laughs> what a gift. I'm on our Roots podcast. Like, there's no other birthday gift that could be more blessed than this one. So I'd like awesome. to start a prayer this morning. So, Oromila, witness of faith. Second to Olorumare. Your healings are more effective than any medicine. Many blessings that you have brought into our life. We hear and we give thanks today. Thanks to our ancestors. Thanks to the shoulders that they stand upon. Thanks to the stream of ancestral wisdom. Thanks to all those who got us on our path. Ache, ache, oramila, ache. Thank you. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I tell you, Oromila has some of the best poetry. You know, you hear about his praise names and um the literature that they incorporate for him and you know it's nothing short of um sublime you know um but jen i, I ask you just to start things off where are you from so people can kind of get an idea of who we are as we uh delve deeper i am by the way of the bronx new york but i am a resident of west palm florida right now very nice very nice what part of the bronx I grew up on Webster Avenue and 169th Street, so I was about 15 years old. And then from 15 to about, I would say 21, Gunhill and White Plains. So I'm awesome. a true Bronx Knight. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tell you, I don't know what it is about this borough. Uh, it's people gravitate to me. I'm married to a Bronx woman. I'm surrounded by gentlemen from the Bronx. I just, I love you guys. And, and the bacon, egg, and cheese is unmatched. Well, we receive you. We love you back, Baba. Oh, I appreciate it. I can't wait to go uptown again and, you know, visit some family and, you know, enjoy myself. But I ask you, what was it like growing up in New York, you know, in your experience? In my experience growing up in New York, at the time that I grew up in New York, I would say that it was a lot safer than what it is now. I got to blend in with so many different cultures and variations of life forms while growing up in New York. Can't say it was the easiest. Definitely grew up in rough parts of New York City. I mean, the Bronx itself. Made it through by the grace of God. That's why I know that there's something higher guiding me in this life right now. And the reason that I'm sitting here doing this podcast. It wasn't short of a, a, easy, a easy lifestyle, but I don't think that I would have the character and the person who I am today if I didn't grow up in the Bronx itself. You know, with whatever you feel comfortable with expressing, what were some of the things you were seeing or that possibly you experienced that had that impact of or message to you, like, I need to survive here? You know, because you have New York and the Bronx is kind of its own thing. It's its own organism. I, I can't say that there's another part of the city that's really like it, you know, and every corner, every turn that, that anything could happen. So what were some of the things that you saw or experienced that really molded you, you think? I can. I have quite a few stories. What I will say is that um, I'm 44 years old and I grew up in the crack era, right? So I didn't yeah. live in the safest place. I grew up in the projects. And there are quite a few stories that I can remember. There was one specifically, I had to be maybe probably eight or nine years old. And I was, my mom was taking me to school in the morning 
and we'd always go to this bus stop and the bus stop was right in front of a gas station. And that particular morning it was raining and someone decided to drive by, or I guess they had spotted the individual that they were looking for and start shooting. So my mom has to pull me in back of a soda machine and literally we have to throw ourselves on the ground in the rain. So just those type of instances are where life could have been taken at any given moment. But for some particular reason, there was always a higher force that was protecting me and my family to be able to get out of those type of situations. So that's just one of many, many stories that I have living in the Bronx. And I am grateful that I lived there because I, it wouldn't, I'm not who I am because I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have those experiences, but it just makes me appreciate life a lot more now and understand that those things that were transpiring were signs for me to know that there was something higher guiding me at that time. But in life, you know, you have to go through hardships and lessons to be able to have the moment of gratitude that you have once you receive the blessing. So that's one story, but there's a lot, Baba, and I don't want to have share too many more, but that's just one instance where it was like, wow, I grew up in a really rough, 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 rough neighborhood. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with that one, that, that pretty much, uh, you know, gets the point across of, you know, where you are. Um, luckily, you're here. And, you know, it, it just makes you realize how fickle life is and how we have to protect ourselves. I think anybody that makes it out of New York has a guardian angel because it's just so much going on sometimes. And especially now, you hear about things back then, you know, I guess even that instance was a little more calculated because at least they were looking for someone and, you know, whatever transpired between them. Now it's just, a, you know, it's the wild, wild west to a certain degree. So, you know, definitely... Um, you you gotta be spiritually protected to move around in a place like that somehow. So you mentioned your youth. Um, you know, before we get into you know for your fulfillment ultimately as an Odisha priestess, what were some of the things you were experiencing spiritually as a uh, a young lady? You know, were you seeing things? Were you feeling things? Yes. Um, actually, from the age of one to seven, I'm I am a seeker of knowledge. So I like to do a lot of research, and I have a Rolodex of information in my mind. So I know up until the age of seven, you're still floating around in that realm where you're able to connect with, you know, your spirits, ancestors, whatever you want to call them. And I would, I was the only child up until eight, but I remember my parents always coming into the room like, Jennifer, what are you doing? Who are you, who are you talking to? Oh, my imaginary friends. So I had tons of them at that time, not understanding that I was actually connecting with other entities and other spirits. So I had lots of imaginary friends as a child. I definitely have visions. I get a lot of messages through my dreams all the time, still to this day. So I knew that I always knew inside and felt inside of me that there was something different and something special about me. But that actually didn't resonate till I was in my mid thirties, honestly. But I did have little effects of, hey, there is something different about me by being able to connect and seeing certain things hearing things, feeling things. Now, when you're showing these symptoms, um, how is it being received by your family? And, you know, were you from a background where some of these things were accepted or was it completely foreign to you guys? You know, what was that experience like with your with your home? So we are Puerto Ricans from the Bronx. So that's, say the less, there's some there type go. of reality that comes along with being a Hispanic living in the Bronx, right? Uh, what was wild is that I went to Catholic school from first grade to 12th grade. Wow. And we weren't true like going to church every Sunday, but we would go on, you know, New Year's, probably Palm Sunday, the, the more 
holiday, we would say, masses. But um, my family practiced certain aspects of spirituality, and I would say even some of Ifa, but no one was ever initiated. So, you know, we would go and get dubanos every New Year's Eve, my aunt which is truly spiritual woman. I seek information and knowledge from her to this day, would make special baths for us every New Year's Eve. I remember my mom one time kicking a coconut around the house. We had this um, woman that we would go to that lived, I don't remember where in the Bronx, where her name was Doña Ana. We would go get readings and we would practice certain elements of spirituality, but no one was ever formally indoctrinated or initiated into Ifa or being a Lukumi high priestess. Okay, definitely. Now, um, do you remember like that first experience, you know, like maybe they took you somewhere or, you know, oh my God, we just went to a Waltani God. What was that? You know, what was that first impactful experience where you're like, man, this is interesting or I might like this? First of all, walking into a Waltani God to this day for me is like a, cir a circus. Like it's yeah. amazing. I fall in love every single time. So I do remember going into there as a kid and just being like fascinated by seeing all of the statues and then the herbs and just everything around it. Every time I would get into that space, I felt like it always felt at home. Like I felt like, wow, I belong in this space. And I would just be fascinated walking through the aisles. I remember going with my mom and my aunt and they would be picking up things. And I was always a kid that would ask questions, but why? And I needed an explanation behind it. So that experience right there alone was one that was impactful for me. But I think the second one would be when I, how old was I? I probably was 18. And I started dating an individual and I just had a lot of questions. And of course, as a young woman and a lot of women, we do this. We go to get readings when it comes to love. So I go and I get a reading by this woman. This is my first actual reading, and I sit in front of her, and she's using the tarot cards, and it blew my mind, and it still blows my mind to this day, Baba, how you sit in front of a person who doesn't know you, knows nothing about you, and can read your whole entire life right in front of you. That right there for me was eye-opening, and that changed, actually, that actually changed my life after going to get a reading. I became a lot more aware. I felt like at that point at 18, I was like, wow, this is a cheat code for life. Like actually I can go and prepare myself for certain things that may be taking place or things that are taking place and know how to maneuver around them or even avoid them. Yeah. So impactful stuff. I mean, you know, at what point then after you go through set amount of spiritual readings, you know, experiences, confirmations, do you say, I want to get formally invo involved um, with what you found out was Ifa, at what point did you make that decision? Like, I want my mano orula. That happened. It was, I was at the lowest point of my life when that happened. I had just moved to Delaware. I, t I have a 20 and 22 year old. At that time, they were teenage years and I wanted to get them out of the Bronx to live, you know, a more safer life suburban life. So I moved to Delaware. We had friends that were down there. I go to Delaware and that's when my entire life changed. I, I think getting out of the city and being around all that noise and congestion and there's not enough nature and the energy is just very toxic. And I was out in the middle of nowhere where there were cornfields and farms and they didn't even have sidewalks. You had to drive wherever you were going. And I was just surrounded by nature. And 
it's when I got to Delaware where I started to actually, I thought I was going crazy because I was seeing things, I was hearing things, I was feeling things. I started to become in tune with nature. I was picking up a lot of number frequencies, catching certain numbers every single day. And I remember reaching out to my family. I'm like, either I'm going through depression or I'm losing my mind, so I'm gonna disconnect. So I let I disconnected from them, meaning that when I'm not gonna talk every day, we won't text every day, I'm okay, but I need to separate myself because I don't want you guys to feel the effect of what's going on with me. And that's when I started sneaking knowledge, seeking information. I started tapping into numerology, astrology, um, zodiac signs. I was, I studied brain waves. I started playing certain frequencies at nighttime to help me because I didn't know what was going on. There was something that was missing. I just felt like there was something missing in my life. I started studying, I watched The Secret, Law of Attraction, you know, speaking things of existence, yoga, meditations, crystals. And then one day I stumbled across a, and I, I should say, I should use better words than stumble. I feel that spirit guided me at that point and was on YouTube. I was a YouTube junkie. And I found a video of um, Rest in Peace, this really well-renowned Santero named Alfredo Calvo. Oh, and yeah. he was talking about having faith. And he talked about a stick where you can place a stick anywhere you want. But when you have faith and belief in that stick, you will see that things start to change in your life. And that video blew my mind. And I started doing more research on Lukumi and Ifa. And I remember listening to a playlist. I think it was Oshun at that time. I was infatuated with her. Like I found out who she was. I started researching her and I was just going and delving deep into finding information on her. And I'm playing a, a Oshun playlist and I look out of the side of my door and there's a hallway that leads to where my kids room is and I see a heavy set woman with a yellow skirt white top and a white head wrap and I look twice and I'm like oh my god I'm losing my mind I'm seeing people like at that point I'm thinking I'm going crazy I'm seeing people so that happens then I go downstairs, same day, to the kitchen. I go to get something to drink, and I see white smoke coming out of a table. So now I'm like, this is, I'm losing my freaking mind. So I call my mom, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on at this point. I need help. Like, I had all these series of unfortunate events that were happening to me just left and right. I'm getting hurt, just a bunch of things. And she was like, that's it. Come to New York. I'm taking you to, to get a reading. Your dad has a friend that knows someone and we're gonna take you to this person. So I, I drive from Delaware to New York, and I think I'm going to a botanica because that's what I'm used to, or to someone's house to get a reading through tarot cards. I show up to this house and I don't, I don't know what I'm walking into, and I meet for the first time ever a babalao. I never knew, what, I didn't know what a babalao was at that point. And he invites me in, he has me sit down in front of him. I have to put my head down. I have to kiss a mat, the kiss of tabarera. He sits in front of me. I remember him giving me two stones in my hands. And he's just asking me, he's speaking a different language. At this point, I don't even, I didn't know what Yoruba was or Lukumi. So he's speaking different languages. I'm giving him, you know, each hand. And he sits down, he's like, all right, we're done. 
And this man read my entire life and everything that was happening at that given moment. And it blew my mind. Blew my mind. Just told me everything. You're suffering from depression. Your hair is falling out. You're not eating. You're not sleeping. Like everything that was going on in my life at that moment. And I couldn't believe that that was happening. That's the day that I fell in love with Ifa. And I am so grateful for that moment because Ifa has changed my entire life. I wouldn't even say a whole 180, 360. And I also want to touch on something. Yesterday, when I was coming back from the hotel, I noticed that there was a building and it said 555. And I'm like, wow, I'm always seeing these sequences. 555 means change. There's change coming. Baba, the lights on the building were yellow and green. No, there's, no. there's no coincidence on those mm -hmm. things. You can't tell me that. Like, Ifa was telling me right there at that moment, oh, you thought your life was changed. You thought your life changed. I'm, I'm literally 30 days out of being a Yawal. And the trajectory of what's been taking place in my life ever since I've done that has, it's benounced. I can't even get the words out. So even sitting here on this podcast with you, speaking from my heart with with passion and intent and just delivering messages for those who, who may need them or may not need them. But just even for me is, I can't even explain it. So Ifa is the best thing that has ever happened to me. And I am so grateful and so honored to have been chosen to be able to continue to have their religion grow, the legacy and keeping the integrity of this religion. Absolutely, as we appreciate you. How was your hand of Ifa experience? Another, I walked into something I had no idea what I was going into. I remember showing up, not knowing that I shouldn't wear certain colors, so I show up with a black leather jacket, a black shirt. Oh, I have man. all the black on, right? You're not supposed to wear black when you're doing ceremonies, but I didn't know what I was getting into. So I remember getting there, and I was told, have a seat in this chair and face the wall. I'm like, I am a grown woman, mm -hmm. and I'm facing <laughs> a wall. But I did it. And Ifa has taught me discipline and it has taught me humility because that's what it's for. And I remember just sitting there and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to do this. My sister accompanied me. Actually, after I got initiated, my baby sister got initiated six months later and my sister got initiated a year later. Nice. So we all, are, we actually are the first people in our family to be indoctrinated and initiated in the religion. And we've been told that we're going to keep the legacy alive in our lineage and our bloodline. Like, how cool is that? Who gets chosen to keep a religion that has been here from the, you know, the beginning of time to keep that bloodline going through, through me and my sisters? So I'm sitting there. I don't know what's going on. And now they're like, um, they're getting ready to sacrifice the animal. For me, I'm a vegan. I don't eat animals. That was very hard to digest. No that's still not my, that's not my favorite part, but I've also learned to understand the purpose behind it. So I remember telling the Baba Lao, I'm like, um, yeah, I don't. He was like, turn around. You don't have to look at it if you don't want to. And that's what I did. So for the first year, I've kept my I kept my back turned for sacrifices. So the sacrifices was take the first day that took place. And I remember the next day having to come. Now I'm prepared. I'm in my all white. But that ceremony is very tedious and very long. And there were probably five other people receiving with me. Wow. So I just remember they're sitting there and just having to be patient. And what I did at that time is that when I was facing the wall, I prayed. I prayed for hours and hours and hours. And uh, all praise to the Most High. But 
everything so far that I've been praying for because I practice the true virtual vifan that's being a good character is manifesting. And this is one of the moments, one of the moments for me that I've manifested to just believing in and following the word of Oruan Orumila. No, I commend you definitely, especially, you know, the vegan lifestyle is a beautiful one. Um, but there's aspects of it that obviously aren't compatible with Ifa because, you know, no one can be born without blood, right? So it is a big hurdle to overcome. And, you know, I, I think about my mother. I remember when my, first, when, when my mother first got into this spirituality, um, she had a serious issue with the animal sacrifice, you know, because it's just something that they weren't accustomed to. And, you know, she has a, I don't know if it's funny or not, but she has a story of, because, you know, they, they lived in Brooklyn and they actually used to go to like, you know, the kosher, like poultry spots and things like that, where you'd pick the chicken you wanted to eat that evening. And she said she had an experience where she saw the rabbi do his thing and it was just too much for her to handle. And it carried her, it carried with her throughout life to where now we're right back in this uh, similar, you know, arena and, it took her some time and, you know, she was able to get over it as well, you know what I'm saying, especially with the, expo the explanation and, you know, just the, the thoroughness with which we were working. But, you know, it is a hurdle. How, was Yemaya on your radar when it came to guardian orishas? You know, did you ask for her? Did somebody else ask for her? Um, you know, what was that process like when they were pulling out your guardian angel? I love that. I love that question. I, I um, as I mentioned earlier, I was, I thought Chum was my mom. I was mm. so, like, everything about her embodied who I thought I was. But what I can say is that as a kid, I've always had a love for the ocean and the beach. That is my safe haven. Anytime that I'm feeling low, or anytime that I need energy, anytime that I'm feeling happy, I'm at the beach. During that time in Delaware, where I was going through a lot in life and I thought I was suffering from depression, I would go to the beach for hours at end. I remember watching the sunset and the moon rising. That's how long I would stay at the beach. And I started to do research as well. My birthday is seven, which is Yamaya's number. And I was born on a Saturday, which is her day. So when I go to get to find out who my guardian angel is, I don't say Oshun, I say Yamaya. And it came out exactly in my eye on the first try. Wow. I don't know who took, she must have taken over my, my vocal cords because I was going to say Oshun and I said, yeah, my eye. And right then and there, when I found out that she was my guardian angel, that's another moment in life where she, my Fedefunya Maya, she is, she's everything to me. She has also been a saving grace in my life. I, I don't want to get emotional, but I, I have a very strong love and connection for Yamaya, and I owe her everything as well. Everything that's in my life that has taken place up until this point and everything that she has planned for me in the future is because of her. And I wouldn't choose any other guardian angel to be my guardian angel than, than Yamaya. Yamaya is the best. I mean, I was very blessed. Um, you know, in the hand of Ifa, I was actually the Oduo Diche. And the Oduo Diche, especially the son of Oshun, receives the blessing from the children of Yemaya. And the woman that actually crowned me was a daughter of Yemaya, my godmother, Dudse Olomidara. May, may, may Fa bless her wherever she is at this moment. And, um, you know, I, honestly, Yemaya is one of those Orishas, man. She just gives, gives, gives. You just stay on good terms, and you really don't have to do much to be in her good favor. I tell you, 
you definitely don't want to be out of favor with her. But, you know, that, that usually doesn't happen unless you just do something so off the wall. But, you know, most people don't. Um, you know, you, you now have this beautiful guardian, Orisha. You have this beautiful Odu. What are the conversations or thoughts going through your mind or happening after your hand of Ifa that are possibly leading to priesthood now? What, what were they telling you that, that kind of sparked that within you? I received my Kofa and my Guerreros, and I had, Joseph, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what I walked into. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I remember going home, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have these things. What do I do with them, right? So I'm servicing them. I have, at this point, I, I don't have any faith or belief in Ifa, right? I don't know what I'm doing. I walked into something. I just knew that I was chosen for this. So, okay, we're going to figure this out, right? Because that's who I am. I'm a seeker of knowledge. So now I start diving into doing some more research. And I learned at that point that this has nothing to do with research. You're going to have to figure out how to have faith and belief. And this is where Elegua comes in, Maferefun Elegua. He comes in. He is literally my best friend in this religion. He's sitting right next to me right now while I'm talking to you, just so you're aware. Nice. Like, he is the reason that I believe in this religion. There are so many stories. He's opened so many doors and closed so many doors for me. But there's a specific story that I'd like to share. And I remember, let's say, I was probably about seven months into being an Apetebi and being an Ifa. I'm, you know, I'm servicing. I'm praying. I don't see any change. I'm like, what did I get into? Nothing's changing. Like, my life is still the same. I don't know what's going on. So Edshu comes in and is like, okay, great. So now it's time for, for me to get on my job and make sure that you believe in us and what we're going to do for you. So I have this, um, I don't know, I'm pretty sure you're aware with this being from the Bronx and being Hispanic. So anybody that has a grandmother, aunt, or uncle, Hispanic, you're going to wear a sabache, Sure, right? from the moment you're born, pretty much. From the moment it. you're born, right? And you're also going to have a necklace that has an evil eye on it. Definitely. That's like that's like requirement. So mm -hmm. I'm wearing this evil eye necklace that I've had for I don't even know how many years. I nice. mean, forever. There it goes, yes. And I noticed that it's missing, but the necklace is still intact. So I'm like, oh, my God. And now you know with that, they're like, oh, mal de ojo, somebody's doing something bad to you. You lost a pendant or it served its purpose. Sure. So I'm like, go, my mind is like, oh, man, like I have enough things going on in life. I don't need this. I don't need somebody trying to do something. So I try to, like, block it out. So this thing is missing for months, Baba, months, where I completely just blocked it out, forgot about it. And I remember going to work one morning and the, the pendant is the driver's door on the ground, something told me to look down and it's sitting there intact. Nothing's broken on it. I don't know how it got off the necklace. It was just there and I pick it up. I said, oh my God. And I had Etchu with me because I take him everywhere. Anybody that knows me, Etchu goes everywhere with me. He goes with me to work. If I'm going on a date that with a man that I don't know yet, he's going <laughs> with me. I'm go Listen, I'm at the beach. The big he's brother. Going with the beach. He is literally, I'm telling you, he's my rider. He's my best friend. I see the pendant, and I remember calling my sister, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is real. This thing that we got into, this is real. And I show her the pendant. And I knew that Esh was a trickster, and I know that he likes to kind of test and push you to see. And after that moment, I said, this thing here is going to change our lives. All we have to do is continue to have faith and belief and really just do our due diligence with these orishas, make sure that we service them. 
make sure that we acknowledge them, make sure that we know that we give them all the appreciation, thanks and offerings. And as long as you do that and you're a good character, they're not gonna give you what you want, but they're gonna give you what you need and they know what you need. Yes. And that story right there, that's when I was like, Ifa is real. This is real. And that's when the floodgate started to open up. I mean, things started happening that I have stories for days that I'm so blessed that my sister was there to accompany with me so that she can testify because you would think I'm a crazy lady with the stories that I would tell you. You wouldn't believe them. I'm like, this can this can't just be real. So that's basically where I started to really have faith and belief in Ifa and his practices through Elegoa, my best friend. Nice. Definitely. Eshu is the man. Um, he Everybody has an Elegoa story just because he's so miraculous. And he puts us through the ringer to be able to get there. But, you know, he always pulls through. Now, after this faith-building moment, you have your hand of Ifa. What was the crowning process like, you know, leading up to it and actually going through it? the most beautiful experience I've ever had and I would do it a million times over. Nice. I, I was, so now I'm in Nifa. I, um, actually it wasn't my choice. I had gotten a reading and Yemaya basically was like, if you don't crown, I'm going to literally make you go crazy mentally. And I didn't understand the reason why she said that until now, now that I have the crown, now that I've been crowned. So she was preparing me and she needed me, she needed to push my purpose in life a little quicker because it was taking, it took me, I got crowned last year. It took me 43 years to get where I'm at, to get where I'm at to be crowned. And she was like, oh, we need to, we need to make this go a little bit faster because I have a purpose and I have a plan for you. So I get this, I get the reading done and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? So now they start to explain to me what crowning is and I'm like, I have to lose my hair for a year. Like oh, that, that is like <laughs> any woman reaction from women, any woman, like right? Baba, any woman that goes into is like, Oh my God, I have to lose my hair. So I, I start thinking about that. But then I also, I'm also like, this is very honoring. Cause I'm going to be the first person in my family to do this. And that was a lot of weight on my shoulders. So, you know, the saying they say heavy is a head that wears a crown. Sure. So, I am now I'm, now I'm like, okay, great. So what is this? What is this going to come? But what do we have to do? And then they start talking figures and I'm like, well, I don't know where this money is going to come from. I am Baba. When I say I'm broker than broke, like, <laughs> listen, right. I just got into E5. Things are still not shaking and moving the way they're supposed to, but I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to come up with this money. So that's where, um, also, another Ifa story takes place. I, I normally get readings the last two weeks of the year so then to know what I'm going into in the following year. Nice. Good so habit. I get a reading. And um, Odula says, at this point, I'm living in Delaware. I'm living in Delaware. Odula says, be careful with your job. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? I'm on vacation. I always take the last two weeks of December off my vacation because at that time, my children we're in high school and they play sports. So I need to be able to go to tournaments because I'm going to be that parent that's there supporting you to watch you throughout these endeavors. So my manager texts me and it's very odd. The text like, oh, can you come in on Monday? We have a special project. And I read into it. I said, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my job. 
I was like, I'm going to lose my job. Like this reading actually was real. I'm going to lose my job. So I remember calling the Baba Lao and he's like, no, you're reading into it too much. It didn't say you were going to lose your job. It just said you have to just be careful with it. And I'm like, dude, I'm losing my job. I'm going to lose my job. So I remember at that point, I, um, I was very heavy into crystals. So I would carry this amethyst in my hand everywhere I go. And I, you know, maybe placebo effect, but I felt this, cat, this amethyst was doing something for me. So I remember driving to my job on that Monday and I'm holding this amethyst and I remember talking to Etchu and I'm like, I don't know what you have planned for me right now. I know that whatever it is, is for the greater good, but I ask you to please give me the strength to get through this right now because if I'm gonna lose my job, I'm gonna be homeless. I'm not gonna be able to take care of my kids. I don't know what's going on. So I get there and I lose my job. They're mm -hmm. like, you know, Fortunately, we have to do a budget cut, but they gave me a severance, pa a severance package, which was great. I was able to come and sustain another month or two. So I lose my job and um, I call my parents and I'm like, they're living in West Palm at this point. And I'm like, I'm probably gonna have to move in with you at 40 years old. I'm gonna have to move in because I don't have a job. I'm not gonna be able to take care of the bills. I'm a single mom at this point. I have two kids in high school. Like I'm not gonna be able to take care of these bills on unemployment. So they're like, you know what? You come and stay with us. You come and stay with us. And I lost everything. Baba, I had to leave the apartment. I had to leave all my furniture. I couldn't take anything. I had probably 10 cents in my bank account. Like it was, it, to this day, I'm actually grateful that it happened. But going through that moment, I couldn't believe what was happening. And I didn't understand what was happening at that time, but I understand now. They had to hit, make me hit rock bottom to have faith and belief to know that there's a light at the tunnel. So I lose my job, I go to um, I go to my parents' home, I'm living with them for three months, I get another reading, and I remember in the reading as well, my Ferefuno Batala, because he teaches me a lot of harsh lessons as well, and I don't know why I don't, I listen to him now, I promise, but before I didn't. So Batala tells me, you're going to have an argument with an older gentleman with gray hair. And if you allow yourself to fall victim and argue back, I'm gonna punish you. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means, but all right, I'll, I'll take heed to it, I'll listen to it. So I move in with my parents and my dad, me and my dad get into this really heated argument probably two weeks into living there. Now mind you, Baba, I've been living on my own for all these years, now I'm moving back under my parents' roof. My parents are they are, they're set in their ways. We clash a little bit. So we have an argument. I go to Whole Foods to eat something and Obatala oh, punishes me. I'm throwing up all day long, the entire day. So that's why I was like, okay, so now we really need to start paying attention and listening to what they're telling you in these readings because they're not, they're not joking. They have something for you and you need to listen to what they're saying. So I get to, I get to Florida, the company that laid me off actually had a position open in West Palm. So I get my same job back just in a different state. Nice. Look at God, right? So at that point, I work for a builder. I'm not selling homes, I'm an assistant. Three months later, they have an opening to be able to be an agent and sell homes. All I have to do is get my real estate license. I did that. That changed my entire life. My salary quadrupled from being a single mom to quadrupling my salary and then that's where the money came from to be able to do my crowning ceremony wow 
talk about a roller coaster. You know, yeah. I, I tell you, um, everybody has one of those stories. I mean, especially when you've gone through hardship and, you know, the Lukumi system is very elaborate. So the initiation rites are costly and, you know, coming up with them, everybody's got a story. You know, some we can tell, some we can't tell. Um, but I tell you, the, the majority of the time, it's, 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 a, it's a roller coaster like you've explained. So, you know, by the grace of Odisha, you were able to come up with the funds. Um, you went through your Odisha process. You know, you got your confirmations, your information, your life reading, etc. What was your year in white like? My year in white, my year in white was beautiful, but no one explained to me also that that year, the, you're going to be tested. So that year I was tested. I was definitely tested. And what I learned within that year was that my patience was tested. I've learned to be patient and also that there were shutting door, opening doors and closing doors at the same time. So the first three months were very difficult for me. I thought it was going to be a piece of cake. Nobody told me. I thought it was like, oh, butterfly roses, like you're going to crown and everything that you've ever wanted <laughs> in life is going to come to you. Like, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, this is going to be a breeze. You know, I don't really go out like that. So it doesn't matter to have to be home by a certain time, but it affected me. I couldn't look at myself in a mirror. For a very long time, I was sitting on the floor eating like a baby, like a child. I had no hair on my head. I, for the first three months, I cried every day at home. I cried. But I believe that that had to happen because I was purging a lot of my old self at that time, and that was, was needed. But during my year in white, the discipline that I exhibited and the habitual rituals that came out of Bina Yawo were the greatest gifts that I've, that I've received. I learned patience. I've learned to believe in myself. I also developed, and this circles back to the reading that Yamayasha was going to drive me crazy. I developed being a medium. So that was a whole nother animal that I had to kind of get adjusted to. So I became, I not became, I guess the portal opened up and allowed me to become a medium and tap in and speak to, to spirits and, and um, other entities. So I have that going on as well as being a Yawo. And then the last three months of being a Yawo, a whole nother series of events take place where that kind of threw me for a loop but it was also the best thing that ever happened as well, because I firmly believe that Elegua definitely opens up doors and closes doors for specific reasons. And some doors that were closed needed to be closed for the doors that are opening up right now to be open. And that's me sitting here speaking on my story with you, Baba. So going through the year in white, what was the hardest thing you had to give up, in your opinion, that, that took you to that emotional state? What was the most, because uh, Odisha breaks you down before it builds you back up. So what was the one thing that you're like, oh, my God, you know, this is really happening. I can't do this. Maybe something you identified with. What was the hardest part about your year? The hardest part about my year was the first three months not being to see myself. Wow. I had to learn to live through seeing how others saw me. 
and it was actually beautiful. I was received so beautifully, Baba, that it was it was blowing my mind. I'm mind you, I'm I'm in real estate. I sell homes. I refuse to wear a wig. I don't want to wear a wig the first three months. I was like, no, I want to actually be in my true essence, and I don't want to steer away from from the entire experience. So I wore a turban on my head every day for the first three months. And it was almost like bees to honey. I started attracting a lot, a, a client base that knew of Ifa, that knew of Lukumi and knew that I was Yawo. And was, they were saluting me and telling me how beautiful I looked and how I'm glowing and just my presence itself. And that right there for me taught me that Vanity really means nothing at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how you look physically. It's the, um, it's the energy and the frequency that you're emitting to others that's what's received. And at that point, I was emitting nothing but pure love and intent, and people were receiving it, and I was attracting that back. No, that's, that's beautiful. Now that you've gone through your year in white, I mean, which one are you kind of leaning more towards as far as your study and growth? Are you leaning more towards, like, the spiritism, mediumship, even though you got all that development through the year to a, a large degree? Or are you now delving more into like Orisha, learning the room, maybe the shell? Which one's kind of grabbing more of your attention now that you've got out of your year in white? All of it. Nice. All of it. Right now, because of you, I'm actually being mentored by Freddie with my nice. medium gifts. So I attend a lot of misas with him. I um I want to learn how to divinate through the shells. I want to learn how to divinate through tarot. I practice tarot on myself, but I haven't done it for others. I also want to work the room, not to speak too much into Maita, but it has been prophesied that I am going to have a lot of godchildren. I'm supposed to work the religion. I am going to be an excellent medium, Epiritita, and that at some point I will have my own establishment running a spiritual metaphysical shop. So right now I am literally like a sponge, and whoever it is that wants to come out and help me, mentor me, teach me, I'm willing to receive that and embrace it because that's where I am right now. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, you mentioned your kids, you mentioned your sisters. It's easy to see you're a very family-oriented person. Like, you know, most Latin people, as we are, are. How important is it, you know, because you mentioned the legacy. You know, how important is it to ultimately, you know, impart Ifa upon your children, establish a home within the spirituality so they can get all of those benefits? What does that mean to you? That means a lot to me. And right now, for me, it's a little tricky because my children didn't grow up into Ifa and what I'm practicing. Mm -hmm. They're seeing it right now through the change in my life. So they're 20 and 22. I didn't get initiated probably, it's been a year as a, a high priestess and then in Ifa four years. So I would love for them at some point to receive their warriors and at least have, you know, their Kofa, Mano de Rola, but I also have to allow them the grace to have their own choice but what I what they do understand is that it has changed my life. It has changed my sister's lives. It actually has brought my family so much closer, especially my year in white. Like my family came out and they showed out for me in a way that I never thought they were going to. I didn't the way my parents received it, even my mom. My mom found out who her angel, her guardian angel is now. Like it's just wow. it's beautiful what it's doing for my family. But I want my children to come in at their own time. But the beauty about that is that. Being that I'm a high priestess, I still can kind of help and protect my children 
in certain aspects, but I'm also not going to alter their destiny and sure. I'm going to allow life to happen, but I'm going to be there to cushion them when things do occur. And maybe sometimes I might help them maneuver around it. Who knows how serious the situation is, but I want them to give the liberty, have the liberty and the free will to say, Hey mom, I've seen what this has done for your life and for your sisters. And now I'm ready. And that's when it'll come full circle. I feel. No, I think that's a great concept because we as parents, you know, even though we know we know what has worked best for us and we just want to give that to our children so they can have those same benefits at the same time, we have to allow them to come to those conclusions whether they do what we did or go the other route. As long as it's positive and as long as we're able to help them and protect them as much as possible as they progress through life, that that's really all we can ask for. I ask you... Um, what is the greatest lesson Ifaz taught you? What's the biggest impact um, it's had upon you now having gone through all these phases as you move forward? With faith and belief, you can move mountains. That's what nice. Ifaz taught Faith and belief. Faith and belief. Faith and belief. That's all I can say. There has been times where I question it and then literally like yesterday, driving to the hotel and seeing that 555 and seeing the lights that were yellow and green, like those messages. And I get a lot of prophetic messages through my dreams. And I've, I've, I know what faith and belief is now. And that, that video that I watched where he was talking about that stick resonates. And as long as I have faith and belief, I know that my life is going to be as planned and I have a purpose now in life. And if I has given me a purpose and it's given me discipline. Beautiful. What's next for Omi Yoko? The world. What's next for me? <laughs> I'm I'm just looking forward to continuing to grow in the spiritual community, continue to develop my mediumship, uh, work hard on establishing a spiritual place so that I can have people come in and I'll be able to just share all this beautiful information, this love, and just help to heal the world. Like all I want to do is just spread the word of Ifa and love to everyone. And just heal those that are in need of healing. Because when I heal those, I heal myself. I heal my family. I heal my bloodline. Really beautiful. Jen, we, we really appreciate the conversation. I think um, your story has been a very full one, you know, to come from where you've come from, go through the hardship, invest, take that leap of faith, go through even more hardship to now come to this place of uh, fulfillment, and ultimately prosperity as you move forward in your spiritual career. I think Gurumila and Yemoja and Egun have great prospects for you. And, and we sincerely appreciate the opportunity and your interest in being on the pod. And, um, you know, if you have any final words for our community, your community, um, you're more than welcome now to, to express them. Before we do that, hold on. Oh, Lord. Phil, you're so, scared. <laughs> so, 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 so Jen actually sent me some several photos. So I want to go over some of these photos. And if you have a story behind any of the photos, please uh, tell us a story. Okay? Definitely. Yes, absolutely. All right. So that's me at the beach with Echu. As I said, nice. anyone that knows me knows that he goes everywhere with me. And at He's that cute. time, isn't he? So at that issue. time, I was getting ready to um, I was getting ready to go into being a Yawo and I needed that one last beach moment. So I took him with me to the beach and we had a cigar and we had a nice long talk. Nice. This is me every year on New Year's. I go to the beach and I give offerings to my queen, my Fedefunya, my Yaw. So that's a picture of me. Uh, New Year's Day with my watermelon, my molasses, and my flowers. For That's her. a sunset, man. Wow. 
And there goes her offerings as well. Molasses, watermelon, and flowers. Nice. That's me. Uh, that's actually my, this, I had just received my warrior. So you can see how clean Echu is. Oh, yeah. He's uh, much darker now. Yeah, it was actually Yemaya's feast day. So I went and I took her watermelon to the beach. Nice. And that's my, and those are my offerings where I like to just take pictures. And what, she beach, was what beach is that? That water is nice. Yeah, so that's, um, it's called Municipal Beach in West Palm. It's gorgeous. Oh. Yeah, they take care of it. Look at the shells. Oh. Yep. Well, there we go. Now we got some special time before she says bye. Before she says bye. I want to do some shout outs, okay? Let me hear that elevator music, Phil. <laughs> Give it to me. That's what we do it for. All right, guys. Thank you for watching the show. But before we get out of here, we got some special shout outs to all the members of our YouTube channel. And if you are not a member, just go ahead and get in there. Tap that join button right directly under the video. So let me give a shout out to here. We got VIP members. We got Omo Alegua. Hey, Omo Alegua. We got Kathy Marty. Hey, Mihala Bendiciones. We got Lulu Sprendel. Hey, Lou. And Ile Yoruba. Ile Yoruba. Thank and you. And shout out to our super fans. We got Frankie Salto. Frankie. Eddie Brown. Eddie. Kenya Hutton. Kenya, thank you. And Gilly84. Hey, Gil, what's up? There we go. Okay, so sorry. Go ahead, Joseph. <laughs> Our Roots Podcast. Until next time, see the light, guys. Well, hold on. She got to oh. give her final words. I'm sorry. Please. I didn't know. I, you know, it's just, the elevator music just puts me in <laughs> such a, a conclusion, you know, a rate. Please, Jen, don't let me take the stage. Please, last words. Thank you. The only thing I want to emit out to the world right now is to live by love and not by fear. And always have faith and belief. And with that, everything will turn out fine. So thank you so much. I'm so honored, so blessed for being a part of this podcast. And I look forward to many more episodes with you, Baba. I show. Take care, guys.